What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. YouTube, or I mean, TikTok, no. Instagram is at Sports as well. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 65. I'm excited, boys. I'm excited. Yeah. We got a whole lot to talk about today. It's going to be a fun one. We got Brett back, uh, I was about to say in the building, but in the Zoom call. Uh, Good so to be back. Yes, sir. This should be a fun one. Uh, I know we didn't really talk about this before the show, but anybody got a favorite number 65? I do. Damian Woody. He didn't wear 65 for the Jets, but he did the rest of his career. And he was a big part of the back-to-back AFC Championship run. He played right tackle for us against the Colts. Uh, he's a good guy. He works for ESPN now. Talks about the Jets all the time. So, yeah. Nice. I'm actually uh, going to go with – oh. On, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're good. Right. I'm going with uh, another offensive tackle uh, that was pretty OP in, in the Madden Ultimate team days, uh, and that's Lane Johnson, uh, one of the fastest tackles in the game. Yeah. He'd run outside on those run block. He'd keep the guys contained on the pass block. Uh, so I'll go with Lane Johnson. Yeah, off the top of my head, a lot of offensive linemen, but I'm going to go with a hockey player, Eric Carlson of the Sharks. I don't think I've ever mentioned a hockey player in this little segment, but I'm EK65 sure having a, a bounce back year this year for the Sharks. So. That's right. always good. Sharks team is not playing too bad right now, that's for sure. All right. Uh, with that being said, though, let's get to our openers. Uh, I'll, I'll let Skyler go first with his opener. All right. So the best thing I saw has got to be the Lions comeback win, 29-27. Uh, with no time remaining, Jared Goff, there's a touchdown pass to Amon Ross St. Brown. Cameron Dantzler looked uh, very confused in coverage, mm-hmm. and you can't do that. I know he's just a, a youngin, but can't do that. And I feel for the Lions fans. You know, we were in the situation last year where – we really wanted a quarterback, but also not going 0-16 uh, or 0-16 and 1, likely they could have gone, is always good, you know, especially mm-hmm. the Lions. You don't want to repeat that. So exactly. happy for my man, Jared Goff. Yeah, and, and Dan Campbell, man. Oh, yeah. Happy for him, for sure. I would say the, the best part of that, I think, was the Dan Campbell-Jared Goff interaction, like immediately following that touchdown. Mm-hmm. I don't think Campbell's that good of a coach, but his players seem to really like him, so... Like I said, good to see that. But for me, I'm going with Clay Thompson. Um, he's back soon for the Warriors. He was in Santa Cruz this past week, week and a half, getting extra practice in. It wouldn't surprise me if he's back on the 20th versus the Kings. That's the first game the Warriors are back from a road trip following a home game versus the Blazers. So Clay Thompson, hopefully James Wiseman for a four loss, I believe 20 win, 19 win Warriors team. Mm-hmm. Things are just looking scarier. I'm yeah, and if you look at uh, ticket prices online, I think that's when uh, the the general population thinks Clay's going to be coming they back. They jump $100. Exactly. Those ticket prices are quite expensive. Uh, so it looks like we're going to be watching that game from our couches. Yeah. Uh, but my opener is actually going to be something that I didn't see from my couch, but with my own two eyes. It's my first time ever going to Las Vegas and going to Allegiant mm-hmm. Stadium. Uh, the Death Star, as some people call it. And they actually even have a sign right outside of it saying, welcome to the Death Star, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, I'll talk more about the game later, but just being in Vegas uh, alone was pretty cool. My voice is pretty spotty right now. Uh, so if I have like five or six voice cracks in today's uh, episode, do not flame me. 
Uh, just understand Agreed, yeah. I, I'm still recovering my voice from Sunday, uh, but the stadium nonetheless was so amazing. I mean, it, it's so like, you don't, it just seems fake when you first look at it. And then once you actually get in there, uh, the realization of actually like how ginormous the stadium is, is pretty crazy. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's so nice. It's, it's a lot different than the Coliseum, that's for sure. And the fans uh, were a big difference, that's for sure. Uh, I know there's a couple picks uh, going around on Twitter right now about the fans all being uh, Washington football team fans at the game. It was more like 60% Raider fans, 30% Washington football team fans, and 10% Niner fans for whatever reason. I don't know why there's so many Niner fans, but they were just at the game uh, for whatever reason. But nonetheless... A fun experience. Las Vegas fans need to learn how to root uh, for the home team, be loud on defense and quiet on offense, because that was a big problem for sure. But that was probably the best thing that I saw over the weekend. Uh, With that being said, though, let's get to the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week like we do every week. And we had something that has never happened before. I'll explain to you more in the voting. But the four players we had this week were Buccaneers, QB, a.k.a. the GOAT, Tom Brady. Uh, Broncos rookie running back Javante Williams, uh, the 49ers star tight end George Kittle, and potential defensive player of the year candidate uh, TJ Watt for the Steelers. Uh, Tom Brady threw for 370 yards and four touchdowns. Javante Williams had 170 or 180 yards all purpose uh, with a touchdown as well. George Kittle had nine catches, 181 yards, and two touchdowns. And then TJ Watt had three and a half sacks and forced fumble and a forced fumble in uh, his return to play after missing a couple weeks for the Steelers and their big win over the Ravens. And here's how the voting went. We had 31 votes. Uh, 9.7% of the votes went to Tom Brady. So I think that's like three votes went to him. Uh, TJ Watt got 19.4% of the votes. Javante Williams got 35.5% of the votes. And George Kittle got 35.5% of the votes as well. So we had a tie the first time ever. Uh, So co-players of the week for Javante Williams and George Kittle. We're breaking records every week out of Mike Lutz Sports. Yeah, new things every single week. but now let's get to our team reports. Skylar, I'll let you start it off with the Jets. All right. So the Jets lost to the Eagles 33 to 18 this week. It was Garner Minshew. Jalen Hurts was out for Philly. And, you know, this is another week where I'll keep it short and sweet. The defense was atrocious. Uh, Miles Sanders had 100 yards. That's the first time that's happened, I think, in his entire career. First time that's happened for an Eagle running back in a year. Mm-hmm. And Garner Minshew he didn't really have to have to think about where he was throwing it. Uh, Dallas Goddard was open pretty much the entire first half. Uh, we'll go over to the other side of the ball. Zach Wilson, despite uh, only throwing for 226 yards, looked great compared to past weeks, slinging the ball over the place. Uh, it seems like, you know, Kyle, we watched uh, his first game, the film afterwards, every single throw. Mm-hmm. And we were like, wow, you know, three or four pretty good throws, and the rest were terrible. We're getting to the point where it's maybe three bad throws, which is great to see with the young quarterback. Um, Elijah Moore also went off, which is great. Six yards, six catches, 77 yards in the <laughs> touchdown. But Corey Davis is out for the year. Core muscle surgery, that one hurts. Um, the entire defense is hurt, of course. 
And Tevin Coleman got lit up, probably in concussion protocol. We'll get into that later. Um, so it's tough, man. Uh, it's good to see guys getting better. But Saints next week. Going to get killed. Go Jets. All right. For the Niners, they suffered a pretty bad loss. I mean, we, we, we can't beat the Seahawks to save our lives. I think we've lost five straight. Jimmy Garoppolo's won, I believe, two games in his career versus Seahawks. Nonetheless, 30-23 loss in Seattle. But my biggest takeaway from this game is the injuries for the Niners. Not so much that the injuries cost us this game, but what's what's going to happen moving forward. Jason Verrett, I believe, is the biggest loss the Niners have had all year. Suffered week one, torn ACL, done. And now CJ, or not CJ Mosley, Emmanuel Mosley, excuse me, other starting cornerback. Mm -hmm. He's going to be out, I believe, four weeks, around four weeks with a high ankle sprain. So we're going to be starting Josh Norman at CB1 mm -hmm. with Diamador Lenore, rookie fifth rounder, probably across from him. And once Ambry. Mosley... Once Mosley left this game, we couldn't cover a wide receiver to save our life. And, I mean, we have a game this week against the Bengals, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. I expect these guys to have an absolute field day. Um, our safeties aren't the best in coverage besides Jimmy Ward. But I, moving forward, it's going to be very hard to stop air raid offenses. A couple positives. Uh, George Kittle mentioned earlier he was amazing. Uh, Elijah Mitchell looked good, did suffer – he got knocked out cold on one play, uh, would come back in the game, but it's back in Jeez. concussion protocol. Jeff Wilson re-aggravated a knee injury. He's questionable. So dinged up. Hopefully Fred Warner, Debo back this week. And really a must-win game, in my opinion, versus the Bengals. Hopefully the defense can do enough. Uh, before you go, Kyle, uh, mm -hmm. Brett reminded me of something. I'm sorry for cutting you off. Uh, talking sorry. about, uh, you know, having – a lot of injuries on the defense. I want to play a game on here eventually, maybe next week, called Random Name I Made Up or Starter on the Jets Defense. All right. Oh, <laughs> solid one. I feel like I'd do pretty good on that, uh, considering I beat Alex in Jets trivia uh, by go. a shit ton. Killed him. A couple mm. years back, yeah. Uh, so in my Raider report, uh, now I'm actually going to talk about the game rather than just the actual stadium. I'll split it up into offense and defense, just like Skyler did. Uh Offense first, Carr didn't play terrible. I saw a lot of fans on Twitter criticizing him. He played well to an extent. Uh, he just didn't really have anybody to throw to with Waller hurt and obviously no Henry Ruggs anymore. Uh, so he went 28 for 38, 249 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Josh Jacobs played pretty well, 13 carries, 52 yards and a touchdown, as well as nine catches for 38 yards. I believe that's a career high in receptions for him, even though it was only 4.2 yards per catch. I don't see that too often. Uh, Kenyon Drake uh, was probably the big injury on offense this week. He suffered a broken ankle, going to be out for the rest of the year, obviously. Uh, and he even posted on Twitter that he, he wants his rule to be fixed about rolling up on players because it's the second year in a row, I guess. That he's had a season ended uh, by a play where a defensive player has rolled or fall, fallen on his legs to tackle him and uh, caused him to miss time and eventually the rest of the season. Uh, so he's out for the rest of the year. Going to the receiving side of it, Hunter Renfro had another amazing game. He's really becoming uh, more than what any Raider fan really expected him to ever be. Uh, nine catches, 102 yards. He's on pace for over 100 receptions, as well as over 1,000 yards. 
uh, that'd be first uh, for him in both those categories in his career. Uh, besides that, there really wasn't much for Derek Carr to throw to. I mean, there's Zay Jones, Brian Edwards, uh, and those guys really just aren't that good of receivers. So when you look to the offseason already, uh, you, you kind of want to go draft receiver as well as maybe pick one up in free agency. Uh, two guys I would absolutely love to have would be Jamison Williams as well as uh, Devontae Adams, obviously. So we'll see how that goes. On the defensive side of the ball, played pretty well, allowed an opening drive touchdown, didn't allow points again until the fourth quarter. Uh, injuries, again, were a problem. Uh, no Trayvon Mullen since like week three uh, has been an issue. So we were playing Desmond Trufant as our second quarter, and that really does not work out too well. Denzel Perriman and Corey Littleton both got hurt in this game. So we ended up signing Will Compton to our active roster today. So he's back on the squad. Uh, good sign though. Uh, Nate Hobbs got his first career interception. He's been a stud for us so far at corner and uh, he finally got his first interception in the NFL as well as uh, Malcolm Kuntz, our third round pick from Buffalo edge rusher from Buffalo uh, actually made his NFL debut. I believe on Sunday, he only played seven staffs, but he had a couple tackles as well as his first career NFL sack. And uh, when you look at the film, he, he was dominating the guy that he was on. So that's pretty nice to see as maybe he can help to an already pretty good pass rush with uh, Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby. Um, but the Raiders ended up losing 17 to 15. It was just slow start by the offense and uh, just too late for them to really get it going. Uh, penalties were a bit of a problem, but that's how it is every single week when you're a Raiders fan. Uh, and we lose 17 to 15. And now next week we have to go to Kansas city uh, and beat them if we want to keep our playoff hopes alive. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I don't really think it's going to be too good. Uh, but yeah, besides that, I think we're good there. Uh, so Very we're sad actually team do... reports. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot more rough than last week. That's yeah. for sure. Because we had the we had the trifecta last week. Yeah, that does not happen too often. Uh, but now we're going to do some playoff predictions. Uh, we're through week thirteen, so we got about five weeks left in the season. Uh, with the 18th week uh, being added on this season. So we're just going to go ahead and give our, our one through seven seeds for each uh, conference. I don't think we're going to do anything more past that about like playoff yeah. matchups and stuff like that. Maybe talk about the first few teams out. Uh, but with that being said, do you guys want to start from the seven seed or the one seed? Start with the one. How about that? Awesome. All right. We'll go in yeah. the AFC first. Uh, scatter. Who's your one seat? All right. My one seat's going to be Kansas city. I see him having a pretty much perfect second half and, uh, just destroying that, that, uh, AFC West. I have Kansas city as well. One five straight. I think they're going to stay hot. I actually do not have Kansas city. I have a team that's has the play or tiebreaker over them. And that's actually the Tennessee Titans. They're starting to get more healthy down the stretch here. Uh, I don't think Derrick Henry is going to be back for the rest of the regular season at least. Uh, but I have them finishing 13 and four winning out the rest of the way. They play a couple, or I think three divisional games in that time. And those are all against the Texans or the Jags. So those should be wins. And then I have winning them winning a couple good games down the stretch as well. So Tennessee Titans get that probably much needed first round by uh, as they await Derrick Henry's health. Uh, the two seed. All right. Uh, my two seeds going to be the Patriots, 12 and five. The weather's on their side. They play in Massachusetts. Um, should be pretty 
smooth for the Patriots here in the second half. Um, let's see, sorry, lost lost it there. Um, I have the Ravens at the two seed. I think I'll, I'll explain later why I have them above the Patriots, yeah. but I got the Ravens at two. Oh, uh, my bad. Uh, the two seed for me is actually going to be Kansas City. Uh, they also finished 13 and four, but since they lost to Tennessee earlier in the season, they don't have the tiebreaker and that uh, makes them play that first round game uh, against the team that will be named later. The three seed. All right. My three seed is going to be the Bengals at 11 and six. Baltimore's had so many injuries. Uh, I don't think they can sustain this and they're obviously not going to get away with some of these uh, close games they've been playing. And, you know, they didn't get away with it last week, of course, against Pittsburgh. So I'm going with the Bengals. At three, I have the Patriots. The only reason I think they have a couple tough games. I think they dropped maybe one or two. I think the Patriots are a very good team, but that's the only reason I have them below Baltimore. Yeah, I also have the Patriots as my three seed. Uh, I have them just losing one more game down the stretch, and that's actually – I think the game I picked was them to lose against Miami week 18. Uh, I don't know. It just feels like Miami's going to do uh, something weird in the AFC East and uh, do what they always do, somehow find a way to beat the Pats. Uh, now on to the four seed. All right, my four seed is going to be the Titans, also 11-6. and six. You're right. They are getting healthier. It's just a super stacked AFC this year. I have the Titans as four as well. I have the Ravens as the four seed. Uh, I have them finishing 10 and seven. Uh, mainly, main reason why I don't have them finishing off too well uh, down the stretch and having them though, go two and three in the remaining schedule is the loss of Marlon Humphrey for the rest of the season. Already lost Marcus Peters, obviously, to start the season. Uh, and then Humphrey now makes them without two very, very good corners mm-hmm. and debatably one of the best corners in all of the National Football League. So I have them slowing down at the end of this, the, the season, but still winning their division and going 10 and seven. Who is your guys' five seed? My five seed is going to be Buffalo. I really don't think this team is as good as we thought they were. And we saw that last night. You know, it's not entirely their fault, but and we know what the safeties think about the run game. Yeah. If you guys saw that question. Uh, but again, when you have, games against Miami and the Jets left, you're going to be just fine. I think they do beat New England, uh, even at the series once too. So 11 and six. See, I I have New England sweeping that series. That makes my wild card Uh, a little bit different. So at number five, I have Indianapolis at 10 and seven. Love Jonathan Taylor. They have a bye this week. So they're going to get hopefully a little healthier. Not even sure what injuries they really have that I can think of off the top of my head. But I think the Colts are going to finish off strong, keep running the ball. I have my five seed as Buffalo. Uh, they also go 10 and seven, but since New England's 12 and five, they obviously win the division. Uh, run defense is a problem. I don't care what Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer say. Uh, it is a, it, probably the biggest hole on this whole team, as well as probably running the ball. So run, set, run on both sides of the ball is probably the biggest problem. Uh, but they get the five seed at 10 and seven and play Baltimore in the wild card round. Who is your guys' six seed? My six seed is going to be Baltimore. Uh, so many injuries. What I said before, you know, I don't think they win the division, but the Browns are, they're just not suited for the North this year. You know, when you have a quarterback who's injured and can't throw, especially in the cold weather, uh, they're going to get beaten up on that helps out Baltimore. At six, I have the Bengals, a team I really like, like Joe Burrow. I don't think that finger injury is going to be too bad. He already says he's going to play this week, despite dislocating it, finish the game. 
Bengals 10 and 7 hold the tiebreaker over some of the teams below them. My sixth seed is going to be the Colts. Uh, and in this scenario, they would play New England. And I think we actually see that matchup here in a couple of weeks. So that should actually be fun. I'm pretty looking forward to that game uh, to see Jonathan Taylor against that defense. But Jonathan Taylor is going to carry this team to uh, the playoffs and most likely win the MVP if this plays out this way. Yeah. The seventh seed. All right, my seventh seed is going to be Indianapolis. Uh, for that reason, Jonathan Taylor, I have them beating Arizona, the Raiders, and Jacksonville to finish off the year. That gets them to 10 wins in the seventh seed. So I have the Chargers sneaking in at the seventh seed at 10 and seven, which leaves Buffalo out of my playoff picture. Despite, I believe I chose Buffalo to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year, but just Buffalo finishes at 10 and seven, and with tiebreakers, they're just they're the odd man out. I have Cincinnati being the seventh seed at nine and eight. Uh, they're a very interesting team. I feel like they beat a lot of good teams, but they also lose to a lot of good teams. So you don't really know uh, what they actually are. And so I kind of have them just doing that exactly that the rest of the season, winning some games they probably shouldn't. And then also losing some games that they probably shouldn't as well. Uh, do you guys want to say your a couple first out teams? All right. Uh, let's see. My eight was the Chargers. And my nine was Pittsburgh. Nice. Yeah. I got Buffalo at eight, at 10 and seven, and then at nine and eight um, for the nine, 10 seeds are the Raiders and Dolphins. I had a couple nine and eight teams missing out on the playoffs, and that's the Chargers and the Raiders. Uh, and I had Miami and Denver finishing at eight and nine, just missing the playoffs as well. And then Pittsburgh at nine or seven, nine and one. So, Right. I thought probably you're going to need 10 wins in the NFC or the AFC to make the playoffs. I have the this, chargers with 10 missing it. Yeah. That's Ten. I, that I was the, the bills. I was the dolphins last year. I think they mm -hmm. had, they were in 10 and six and didn't make the playoffs. And they miss out in this scenario for me as well, just because they started off a little late. They're hot right now. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. But they, uh, they started off a little too late. Uh, onto the NFC side. Now, uh, who is your guys's one seed and who gets the bye? All right, I'm going to go with Green Bay here, 14 and three. Uh, they look pretty unstoppable. And also, it looks like they're not even trying yet. So, <laughs> going with Green Bay. Yeah, I think we talked about this a little last night. I think the AFC is a deeper team or deeper, you know, league. But I think the NFC has the three best teams in football right now. Mm -hmm. I have three 14 and three teams. So, at number one, I do have Green Bay as well. I have Green Bay at number one. Uh, so we have a clean sweep on that one. They go 14 and three, went out the rest of the way and get that by for A-Rod and Devontae Adams in their most likely last season in Green Bay. Who's your guys' two seed? Two seed is Tampa Bay. I think uh, we're going to be similar here unless someone's got Arizona, but uh, this is their tournament to lose. You know, I, I guess Green Bay's got the tiebreaker because I got them with the same record, but uh, Tampa's going to be just fine without a bye, I think. Yeah, it's two seed Tampa Bay, fourteen and three, like Green Bay. Don't hold the tiebreaker. I, right now, I'd probably say Tampa Bay is my favorite to win the Super Bowl, just because Tom Brady and that experience with that team making that run last year. That's fair. Uh, also, another point about Green Bay is that they are going to get Zadarius Smith, Jair right. Alexander, and David Bakhtiari back soon. Those are those aren't just three like They're all good pros. players. Those are three first team All Pro players. Yeah. 
So, so very encouraging for those Green Bay fans if they do and end up getting those guys back. But my two seed is Tampa Bay. I do think they are probably still the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Um, and it's Super Bowl or bust. If they, if they end up losing the Super Bowl this year, uh, the season's a failure. So on to the three seed. All right. My three seed is going to be the Cardinals at 12 and five. Uh, Kyler and D-Hop are back and the backups did their job. And they kept them in first place. And I think it's going to be just enough because, you know, I'll, I'll get into it more, but I don't like the Rams. That's for sure. Yeah, I think the Cardinals have, despite having the best record, I believe, in the league or tied for it, I think they've been pretty slept on most mm-hmm. of the year. Most people don't regard them as one of the best teams still. I think they're right in that conversation and have just as good a chance as any of making a deep, you know, playoff run. I have them at 14 and three. At the three seed, just due to tiebreakers. Damn. Three, 14, and three mm-hmm. teams for Brett. I have the Cardinals as my three seed, but they uh, end up going 13 and four in my scenario. But nonetheless, they still have the three seed. Yeah. They've been amazing. Uh, as the guys said, Colt McCoy, Justin, or James Connor, and all the receivers are have been playing well in the absence of guys like Chase Edmonds, Kyler Murray, and obviously DeAndre Hopkins as well. But they're getting those guys back. They didn't have to rush them back because they were still winning without them. And now they sit sit at the top of the NFC as we are. Uh, but as we all know, Green Bay has that tiebreaker over them. Uh, so let's go to the fourth seed. Uh, who do you guys have? All right, my four seed is going to be the Cowboys at 11 and six. Seems like all they have to do here is beat Washington once and beat Philly, and they're they're going to be just fine. Yeah, I have the Cowboys as well as the four seed. I have them at 12 and five just because I find it very hard to imagine them losing any division games. I'm pretty sure they had a lot of those left. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. don't think that division that strong behind them. I think they turn it around a little bit, get a little healthier, hopefully start using Tony Pollard more because Zeke is washed. <laughs> And he's on your fantasy team. So that's why you want Tony Pollard being used more. Uh, I hope he doesn't get used more because I'm going against Brett this week. But I have Dallas as my four seed as well, obviously. Uh, 12 and five, they win the division. And they're actually going to have a really good matchup with the five seed. Uh, and I think we all kind of have the same pick here. As you guys, the five seed, the LA Rams? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So we can probably skip that one if you guys are good with that. I do not uh, trust the Rams. That's what I will say. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, let's get to the six seed. All right. My six seed is going to be Washington. I have them um, sweeping Philly and they beat Dallas once. It's just enough to get in at nine and eight. I'm not sure exactly what I had Washington doing, but I have them taking an absolute dive at the end of the season. Uh, don't really remember their schedule. And, and there's probably a little bit of bias, but my six seed is Niners. I think they're getting a little bit healthier. They they did lose Mosley, but they are getting arguably their two of their four best players back with Warner and Debo this week. Debo's been an absolute difference maker. Our offense doesn't look the same with him out there. I think the Niners, they have a couple easy games. I know the Texans, Falcons still on the schedule. I think they get some wins and they get the six seed at 10 and seven. The six and the seven seed is very, very interesting when you look at the NFC because there's a, just just about everybody has a chance at this spot, whether it's Philly, Washington, uh, the Niners. I mean, you can even throw Seattle in that if, if you really think they are legit uh, with their guys coming back now. Minnesota, New Orleans, Carolina, or I mean, if you're delusional, you could throw Atlanta in there as well. Uh, I have the Niners actually as a six seed as well. Uh, they're starting to get more healthy. Uh, they're starting to get, 
I don't know. They're starting to click. Uh, so that's what we've seen over the last few weeks, in my opinion. Uh, and it's weird. After losing to Colt McCoy, they end up start playing well. So yeah. they are my sixth seed. Uh, and now seven seed. All right. My seven seed is going to be the Niners at nine and eight. That head to head win over Minnesota helps a lot because without that, uh, I have them. I don't know how much of this is me or what has happened, but I have them not doing very well in the division. And Minnesota, oh, I, yeah, Minnesota has done all right in the division. So that, you know, head to head helps a lot. And I'll just, you know, throw it out there Minnesota, uh, the Saints, and Seattle just missed by one game. Yeah, I have the Niners doing pretty horrible in the division. Well, I think finishing last in the division last year is really helping the Niners down the stretch because they have a couple really easy, winnable games. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the seventh seed, I have the Eagles, another team with a very easy, light schedule. Uh, Jalen Hurts missed this week. Gardner Minshew did fine versus the Jets. I don't necessarily like this Eagles team that much, but I think their schedule is weak enough for them to win enough games to get over the Saints and Vikings, who I both have finishing eight and nine and missing the playoffs. Yeah, I also have the Eagles as my seven seed. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they play some easy divisional games, obviously, and I think pretty much the rest of their schedule should be a lot of divisional games. Uh, I don't really trust the rest of the teams in the NFC. Uh, Washington, I do think, would probably be the, the next team out because they are on a four-game win streak. And after watching them live, I mean, they have a defense that plays pretty well, has gotten better, at least, as the season has gone along. And Taylor Heineke is willing to do anything that he can to win. Uh, I have Seattle going 7-10. and 10. I actually have Minnesota going 6-10. and 10. Uh, Wait. They lose out? I guess I didn't pick uh, one of the games because that's 16 games there. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> I guess one game never happens due to 18 players probably testing positive for COVID. Uh, so that's my guess with that one. Uh, and then New Orleans goes eight and nine. And then Carolina goes seven and 10 and misses out. But that sets up a Philly Tampa Bay <laughs> uh, wild card round. Uh, wow. So that's our playoff predictions. And then it's, it's time for us to compare some guys. I mean, there wasn't really too much to talk about as the week went along. I actually did not watch that much football because I was busy all of Sunday, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, so we're going to do some comparisons uh, from guys at the same position. And these are always fun to do. So the first one that we'll do is the two Green Bay running backs, A.J. Dillon or Aaron Jones. Uh, and this is like contracts aside, because obviously with yeah. Aaron Jones contract, the Green Bay Packers kind of have an obligation to play him because uh, it kind of turned out to waste some money. But if you if you have a team and you need to pick a running back, are you taking A.J. Dillon or Aaron Jones? I'm going to take A.J. Dillon. I like that he's a little younger, less injury concern, and this guy runs with just straight power and anger. I like that in a running back. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the biggest quads I think I've ever seen on a man. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen his legs. Absolutely massive, mm-hmm. but I'm going to take A.J. Dillon as well. I think Aaron Jones is a bit better of a receiving back, but A.J. Dillon has made huge strides in that department, and I just like the way he runs. He runs downhill. He runs hard. Aaron Jones a little bit shiftier, um, probably a little quicker, but I don't know. A.J. Dillon's AJ, AJ Dillon, I think, is a very legit back, so I'm going to take A.J. Dillon as well. Yeah, Aaron Jones, uh, that whole situation in the offseason was kind of shocking because I don't really think a lot of us expected him to go back to Green Bay. I did and not. he signed that big expect, uh, extension there. And with A.J. Dillon, I mean, he, Aaron Jones is a possible trade candidate and a team that could possibly like him is Miami. I think that'd be a cool fit over there. 
Uh, but I'm taking AJ Dillon as well. Uh, the receiving upside is starting to get there now as he's getting more consistent play time. And he's just such a physical runner. He's so fun to watch. His quads are probably like have a square footage of like 55 or something like that. Crazy. Uh, he's just, he's got hams uh, for quads. That's for sure. Uh, but the next running running back comparison is a couple rookies uh, that have been playing pretty well this year. And one of them has been really surprising. That's for sure. And that's uh, Javante Williams and Elijah Mitchell or, or Elijah Mitchell, yeah. I guess. Uh, I'm going to go with Javante with this one. Uh, this isn't a knock on Elijah Mitchell. I just think he's kind of in the perfect scheme. It, Brett and I have talked about this hundreds of times before. He's like, why did we draft another running back in the sixth round? I'm like, well, cause this is your dude. He, I bet he's going to start for you, but it's, you know, the thing about Javante is uh, this is the kind of running back that's going to start taking over the league powerful and can catch. Like AJ Dillon. Yeah. As much as I want to take Elijah Mitchell here for obvious reasons, I'm going to take Javante Williams. I believe he's top five in the league in uh, uh, break, bro, broken tackles, like tackles. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to say it correctly, but watching him run, like Skyler said, he, I think Javante Williams is more of a guy who can fit into every scheme. Mm-hmm. Elijah Mitchell is more of a zone uh, runner, perfect for Shannon offense, probably the closest thing we've had to Mostert. Um, besides Debo, who's been amazing as a running back, weirdly enough. But I like Javante Williams, good runner, physical. I, I like Scott. I really like both these guys. This one's yeah. tough, but I, I am going to take Williams. Yeah, this one is pretty tough. Uh, I actually am going to go with Javante as well. I think uh, the, the Broncos are starting to now realize that, hey, we have, a, we have a pretty good guy in Javante, and we really don't need – I know he was hurt this week uh, with Melvin Gordon, but uh, – but they're starting to realize, hey, we don't have to play Melvin Gordon when we have a guy like Javante. And they're starting to play Javante more. Uh, I think Elijah Mitchell is a great option. But Javante is just getting started, man. And I, I think we're going to see a lot from him over the next few years, unfortunately, because he's in my division. Uh, with that being said, we're on to wide receivers. And we're doing Deontay Johnson or C.D. Lamb. This is probably the most pre- premier offensive one that we have. Yeah. Uh, you know, both of these guys have had problems with drops in the past, but I'm going to go with Deontay Johnson because it seems like he's completely fixed that problem. Someone gave me a stat. I won't say it. I'm sure they'll throw it out when it's their turn. Pretty sure it was mm-hmm. Kyle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like Deontay too. Uh, I guess route running a little more than CD. Um, Plus all the other stuff, of course. Yeah, I, I, I love CD Lamb. He was the guy I wanted in the draft for the Niners. We ended up taking Javon Kinlaw, I believe, with the pick. Um, and took Ayuk later in the first round, who I also like. So not super mad, but I am going to take Deontay Johnson here. Besides, despite my love for CD, I think he's a bit more polished of a route runner. And I think CD's a benefactor of really an air raid offense in uh, Dallas. I, I know they got a good running attack too, but Dak versus Big Ben is what I'm looking at here. I think if you give De- Deontay Johnson a good quarterback, he might become a top. 10 maybe borderline five receiver after fixing that drop problem from last year he's been electric with bad quarterback and just really not that great of an offense around him yeah i feel like both these guys regardless of what offense you fit them in uh they're going to be really really good and that that kind of just speaks more to them uh, than anything else and De- i'm taking deontay johnson as well uh they're i'll tell i'll say the stat that taylor was talking about uh he has the most targets or most receptions uh, with less than two drops 
than any other receiver uh, in the whole NFL. So he's fixed his hands problem from last year because I think he led league in drops. Mm. Uh, I feel like he's just a little bit more reliable. Uh, but regardless, in both these guys, I mean, you 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 get in a true number one in my opinion. Uh, maybe Deontay Johnson doesn't play as much outside and maybe a little bit more in the slot. Uh, but he's still very, very reliable. And a guy that Deontay Johnson is starting to remind me of a little bit is Antonio Brown. I mean, he's, mm. a, he's an undersized guy, uh, under six feet, but he, I wouldn't say he's the fastest. I wouldn't say he's the strongest. I wouldn't say he's the crazy best at anything, but he's just good at every single thing that you ask him to do. And that's really what AB is. Uh, but maybe AB just was a slightly better route runner. Uh, All right. Next up is another wide receiver comparison, and we're doing a rookie compared to a third-year wide receiver. That's Jalen Waddle, a guy who's been really good this year, and Hollywood Brown, or Marquise, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Um, you know, Hollywood's had a great recovery season. After last year, it was a little rough for him with drops. Um, but I have to go with Jalen Waddle here. Both these quarterbacks, Tua and Lamar, are in a similar situation where – they kind of need their safety blanket and Jalen Waddle has turned into that really quickly. You know, he's kind of under the radar if you're not in our fancy league because <laughs> the guy who has him, Ian talks about him 24 uh, seven. So I'm, I'm taking Jalen Waddle. Um, I'm not saying Hollywood can't turn into that for Lamar. And, you know, maybe it's not fair since he has Mark Andrews, but Waddle has been more than enough for two of this year. Yeah, I was going to make the point that I think Mark Andrews is more of a safety blanket than Hollywood ever will be. Uh, I do like Hollywood. He's probably got the speed advantage, but I think Waddle is just a little bit more refined as a receiver, better route runner. Uh, neither have the biggest frame, but Waddle's shown he's been good in the red zone. He knows how to read zones, sit in those zones. He's been to his go-to guy. I think it'd be very interesting if both these guys – had like Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback yeah. or Mahomes rather than Tua and Lamar because that kind of limits their capacity. I mean, you could say Lamar's a good quarterback, and sure he is, but at the end of the day, they're just not throwing the ball that much in that offense. And uh, Tua, I mean, sure he's been decent recently, but he's not a guy that's going to push the ball down the field ever. Uh, but I'm taking Jalen Waddle, and he is second in the NFL in receptions right now uh, with 86. And that's go. tied with Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, uh, and then him, obviously, uh, only guy that he's behind is Cooper cup and Cooper cups just blown away. Everybody with a hundred receptions already. Uh, he's younger than, uh, Marcus Hollywood Brown. And if Tua ever finds a way to throw the ball deep, or if they get to Sean Watson there, Jalen Waddle being a top five wide receiver in the center in the league is very, very possible. Uh, I mean, as a rookie, 86 catches and we're through 13 games for him. That's pretty remarkable. I mean, they haven't had their buy, obviously, but then again, it's also a rookie who has the, the time to start the, the season when they kind of just learn the offense, feeling it out. And he's really gotten into an offense that doesn't throw the ball too often uh, to be their main option. Now one of the quarterbacks, these always get fun. We have three comparisons here. First one that we're doing is one that Skyler recommended. That's Baker or Kirk Cousins. All right. You guys know where I stand on Baker Mayfield. If you don't, I think it's very unlikely this is the guy to take the Browns to the Super Bowl. He has his issues. Obviously, he's injured right now. But I'm going to say Baker Mayfield over Kirk Cousins because I think he can win the big game. And maybe it's not all by himself. 
but we've seen now that Kirk Cousins is incapable of that. And he's got the second. Okay. I didn't want to talk about this conversation today, but okay. Justin Jefferson, he's amazing. All right. He's number two in receiving yards right now. Right. Yeah. He's, uh, he has Adam Thielen. Obviously he's hurt right now, but KJ Osborne. Um, I feel like Baker has done more with less. Yes. So I'm taking Baker. Last night, uh, we, we kind of brought this up and immediately I jumped on, I'd rather have Kirk. Um, but looking at it, thinking about it, I think Baker's played this whole year hurt. And I actually really liked what Baker did last year from for the Browns. Um, the one thing that's making me kind of hesitant is the whole Odell backup situation. You know, mm. he wasn't able to get his best players the ball. Um, partially, that's Odell. I think I don't think Odell is as good as people think. But I actually am going to take Baker. I think if Baker can take this offseason, get healthy, I like I like his attitude as a quarterback. I think you kind of need that little, you know, edge, aggression, whatever you want to call it that Baker has. And that's something I've never seen in Kirk. That's why I didn't want him to be a Niner. I think he's I think, yeah, I'm so happy that he turned I think out Kirk's very mid contract. Sheesh, and man. I think right now Baker's mid, but Baker has a little bit more to offer if he can get healthy and return to the form he was last year. I think the Browns uh, and, and the rest of or just Baker's time in general, I think he's going to have a very tough time attracting big time receivers. Uh, and I feel like that's partially due to what that whole Odell situation was because you, your main wide receiver is going to want the ball. Uh, and even if he declined a little bit, Odell was so good in New York and there's no way that he declined that much in, in what time should have been his prime in my opinion. So I think that probably limits him and the guys that are going to want to play with him in his career. Uh, and I think Kirk, I've always been a pretty big fan of Kirk. I know he struggled in the big games, uh, but in every other game besides a big game, I mean, he, he goes off, he plays really, really well. And that's a reason why he has 25 touchdowns this year to only three interceptions. Uh, he's near the top in, in, in yards as well. I know he probably has one of the best receiving cores in all of the National Football League, uh, but he's getting the ball to his guys. That's for sure. He's using Justin Jefferson to the best of his ability. And that's uh, why Jay Jetta has already has over 1,200 yards this season. Uh, so I'm taking Kirk. I know he doesn't play well in the big games. Uh, but Baker doesn't play well in, in most of the games, in my opinion. The next comparison uh, is a couple young QBs from Alabama. That's Mac or Tua. All right. Um, this may seem tough for most people. For me, this was very easy. Uh, I think Tua clearly has the higher upside here. Uh, and he's finally putting it together. You know, like you said, Jalen Waddell. Uh, is number two in receptions right now. That's crazy. He didn't play the what first three games of the year. No, he played every wow. single game. Every game? Never mind. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter though. Um, and you know, I I think two is a great deep ball thrower. I don't think we'll ever find out if Mac Jones is. I think mm -hmm. uh, that's the plan in New England is to try to hide him a little bit. And for that, I could be wrong, you know. But from what we know right now, I'm going to take Tua. I think Skyler actually hit this one pretty head on. I, I have not, I think I've probably said it on the show a few times. I have not been a huge Tua fan since mm -hmm. he's been with Miami. He's his ability, inability, excuse me, to push the ball downfield was really glaring to me. But I think as he's gotten healthy this year, as you know, he's had some more time. I think he's actually looked really good. And That's right. It was Tua who was hurt, not Waddle. Sorry. Yeah. As Skyler said, I think Mac is I think he's a system quarterback. I think this is maybe not his ceiling, 
but I don't think you're ever going to see him be a game changer himself. I think it's going to be Bill Belichick, McDaniels kind of controlling what he does. And he's just, all Mac has to do is do what he's asked to do. He's never going to have to do more. I think Tua has the ability to do more and be a game changer himself, a bit more athletic. It's, it's a close one, but I think I am going to take Tua. I mean, I don't know how you guys can take Tua when, with the way how Mac Jones played last night, man. Two for three <laughs> for 19 yards. He's That's so the best accurate. performance I've ever seen a quarterback make. I mean, 66 uh, per- completion percent. Yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, but in all serious, I'm actually taking Mac Jones in this one. And I've, I was a big fan of uh, this Mac Jones pick for, for the Patriots when this first happened. I know it's good. I, I, I scored Tyler or I told Skyler this. I told probably Brett this as well, that this is going to destroy the league. This Mac Jones, Bill Belichick combo, uh, as well as the rest of the team is going to destroy the league. And as of right now, it is destroying the league. And I know Mac Jones probably will never win an MVP. And I know Tua probably won't either, but Tua has probably the higher chance to yeah. in his career. Mac Jones is going to win so many more games than this guy. Uh, I mean, I know as of right now, Tua is 1-0 in, in that competition. I think I have Tua even beating the Patriots later on this season. But Mac Jones is going to win so many more games than Tua in his career. And that's for that reason alone. I, I like winners. We haven't had a winner as a Raiders fan in forever. Yeah. So it, once I see winning, I want to latch on to that. And that's, that's what I think Mac Jones gives. You can go Patriots. be a Patriots fan. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I kind of looked at it as like who I'd rather have if I were to start my own. Like yeah. if you, if you look at career trajectories, I think Mac Jones is going to have better success just because of who he's with, that's what true. Bill's going to build around him. But sure. if I were to choose one player who I'd want, you know, start my team who I think is the better player themselves. I think I take Tua. Yeah. And I'm fine with that answer as well. It's just, I feel like the, the fit in new England is yeah. just, I mean, I don't think it's, I've ever it's, seen anything meant to be. better. Like <laughs> that, that, that thing is just so perfect over there. And he's, I mean, he's wearing, he's wearing wetsuits who wears wetsuits besides Tom Brady and Brian Hoyer. Uh, nobody That's, except for Mac Jones, obviously. Uh, yeah. Next up, another QB comparison. Guys that we really haven't seen. So this one's kind of just going based off of what you guys think. Yeah. Uh, as far as uh, in the future, I'm going or we're going with Trey Lance or Jordan Love. Again, I think this is a very similar situation. There's obviously one guy here who is supposed to have the higher trajectory, like you've been mm-hmm. talking about. That's Trey Lance. You know, he's drafted third overall for a reason. He's supposed to be great. And I don't know. It may not be fair to say this about Jordan Love, and he's probably going to sit for another year after this one, too, depending on what happens with Rodgers, of course. We don't know. But one guy was reached on at the end of the first for depth. One guy was drafted to be the franchise quarterback. For that reason, I'm taking Trey Lance. Yeah, I think despite their similar situations, I think this one's relatively easy for me. Obviously, being an NFL helps, but I'm taking upside here. I think Trey Lance... Like, actually not like two. I don't think two has the upside Trey Lance does, but I think Trey Lance has the ability to be a game changer, not just a game manager. Um, Jordan Love, I think, is going to fall into a system where he can be really good. I think he's, they probably won't have Devonta Adams when he's there, but I think LaFleur is a very good head coach and he'll find success. But I think Trey Lance has the ability to be really, really special with the tools he has, the arm strength, the speed, the size. It's going to be a question of whether he can put it all together. And I'm going to take that upside. 
Yeah, I'm taking Lance as well. Uh, I'm actually going to talk a little bit more about Jordan Love, though, because Brett spoke a lot about Trey Lance. Uh, so Love had his, his one game little showcase against the Chiefs this year, and he didn't do good. Uh, that's for sure. We saw a lot of missed throws. We saw a lot of just not the smartest plays. I don't think he, th- he threw one pick in that game, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but regardless, he just didn't play that well. Uh, looking back at it now, I think uh, we can credit the Kansas City Chiefs defense more than we did that week uh, because they've been so well, so good recently. But Jordan Love, I mean, if he's not good next year when Aaron Rodgers is gone, it is going to be really tough uh, for Green Bay uh, in the next few years after that. But I really do hope he turns it around because Aaron Rodgers had this stigma to him as well when he before he started playing behind Brett Favre where they reached on this quarterback for some reason. Uh, and then he, he didn't start off too well in the few games that he played. And then he came out of nowhere and became one of the greatest or possibly the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't think Jordan Love has the greatest of all time type beat to him. But you can make a couple of Pro Bowls if he if he gets everything figured out for him. So I mean, I, I'm, I see I'm, what you're saying. You know, you see the mm-hmm. pictures of Rogers thrown in college. His mechanics are horrific. You know, and then he turned that into he's probably the greatest thrower of the football I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I'd say he's the best. I agree with that. Best of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going with Lance here, but I really hope uh, for Jordan Love's sake, not going against Trey Lance, that it ends up being uh, uh, Jordan Love in, in this situation. Yeah, I think like I think the the Rogers comparison to Love's perfect because obviously they're on the same team, very similar situations. the The one I look at for Lance is I don't think he's going to be as good as Mahomes ever, just because mm-hmm. not a lot of people ever will be. But when Mahomes was drafted, they stole Alex Smith, and yeah. I think the Jimmy to Alex Smith is fairly similar. I think Alex Smith was probably a little bit better at that point, but. I mean, Trey, Trey's going to get the keys handed to him next year. Jimmy's likely gone, so we'll see what happens. Trey Lance will find himself uh, in a mix in between Justin Herbert and Colin Kaepernick. I think that's a very wide thing, uh, but Trey yeah. Lance will probably fall uh, in between one of those guys because even though Justin Herbert doesn't run that much, he's fast. If he wanted to, that motherfucker could <laughs> run. Yeah. 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 Speaking just, of comparisons, though, of quarterbacks, I got my top five, four next year's draft quarterback class at the end of halftime. Oh, so if you're, yeah. you're thinking about, Oh yeah, I'm going to, you know, turn this off soon. Hold on. Hold on. I watched yeah. film all day. Okay. With that being said <laughs> though, let's get to halftime. Yeah. First thing we're going to talk about is the MLB hall of fame ballots. Got to take us away. All right. Um, so we won't find out for three weeks. So I could have waited, but I can't wait. I got to talk about this, the hall of fame ballot, and I'm just going to go through it with you guys you know uh free feel free to chime in at any point uh we'll start with the guys it's their 10th year on the ballot last year uh i guess we'll start with the two guys who we know will not get in number one's kurt Schilling. uh he looked like he had the best chance last year at 71 percent, but he we know he has a problem with the media and he specifically called out the committee that votes for the hall of fame so he will not be getting into the hall of fame this year um, and I understand why, you know, he may be the best postseason pitcher we've seen in 50 years, but it won't be by this committee. It won't. Best postseason pitcher? Are we, are we putting him over Mad Bum? Oh, for sure. Wow. Yeah. I don't know about that one. Yeah. Uh, and the other guy, too, on the 10th year who won't get in, it's Sammy Sosa. He's only at 17%. I think this is a bit ridiculous. Uh, 
very similar to Ortiz's situation, which I'll get into later, but he won't be a Hall of Famer. Um, the next two guys are the big boys. It's Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, both at about 62% on their last year. Bonds, we know, was in multiple scandals for steroids. Uh, Roger Clemens was in the book. Um, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, Kyle? The, the clinic or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what the book was called or whatever. The it's going to hit called, me in, but... in the middle of the night. But you know what I'm talking about. And I don't think these guys are going to get in. It's disappointing. Uh, I think these are two of the greatest baseball players we've ever seen. Uh, I think if Bud Selig's in the Hall of Fame, who promoted it, these guys should be too. And I, I just don't see it happening this year. It's just I think it's I think it's pretty criminal, to be yeah. honest. That especially especially Barry Bonds. I mean, but there's no way Barry Bonds wasn't making the Hall of Fame before. I mean, besides maybe Mike Trout, I only got to see the tail end or remember the tail end of Bonds' career. He's the best baseball player I've ever seen, and mm. it's it's really not not that close. And I think if the guys who took PDs can't get in, I think the guys who took in are already in to be taken out. I think it's you got you got to pick one one side. Mm-hmm. Kyle, uh, I think that was a pretty good statement. Okay. Very nice. All right, let's move on. Uh, There's a couple of, or three fifth-year guys I want to talk about. First one is Scott Rowland. Right now, he's at 53% from last year, and he had an amazing career. You know, 20 years, played third base and shortstop, multiple gold gloves and silver sluggers, and his trajectory is great. It looks like he's going to get in maybe two years from now, uh, which I like a lot because this gives me hope for guys like Evan Longoria. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, just great all-around guys who were consistent, and they may not have been the biggest stars, but they definitely helped their teams, you know, go on runs. Similar, you know, Longoria in Tampa Bay, you know, Scott Rowland in uh, Cincy and St. Louis kind of overlooked by Pools a little bit. Uh, so that's cool for him. The next fifth-year guy, Omar Vizquel, he will not be getting into the Hall of Fame, uh, although he's at 50% after his fifth year. Um multiple arrests in the past couple of years, uh, domestic violence, um, which is tough, you know, uh, one of the greatest defensive shortstops of all time. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Him not getting in. That's mm. fine with me. And a little brighter for the last fifth guy, it's Andrew Jones, 34% in his fifth year. Another guy, he might need a little push, but it's looking like he could get in year nine, year 10. And with all the advanced metrics, you know, he is the greatest defensive center fielder of all time. Mm-hmm. He also has over 300 homers. This is a slam dunk Hall of Famer, in my opinion. All right. I agree. Yeah. Uh, let's get to the good stuff. Now, of course, there's a couple guys here and there. Billy Wagner, Todd Helton with a chance. But I want to get to the first year, guys. Obviously, Alex Rodriguez um, was suspended for a full year for taking steroids. David Ortiz, not suspended, but an anonymous, anonymous test. Um, was leaked. He wasn't in trouble for it, but his name was on the positive list. We don't know what he tested positive for, but it was a banned substance. Um, the thing about these guys is that they've done a lot for baseball after they retired. And I think the committee's going to turn around after Bonds and Clemens get left off. They're just going to turn around and put these guys in. 
Uh, very weird. Which exactly would be weird. I don't think it's fair. But I do think there's a chance David Ortiz gets in this year. It's going to be really low. I think these guys are going to be around 70%. Um, which is tough. But, I mean, you, David Ortiz, I think, should be a Hall of Famer. Alex Rodriguez, say what you want about him. Um, he's one of the great shortstops of all time, you know, and he redefined his career at third base. Uh, so I think both will get in. David Ortiz is the only one with a chance this year. And I think that's probably what's going to happen. We're only going to see Ortiz get elected this year. It would just be so disappointing if we have another blank year. <laughs> we should uh, we should make another MLB Hall of Fame, man. <laughs> Where it doesn't should get in. Matter, if we're good, you get in. Uh, maybe it could be tough to get in, uh, but none of that, like, oh, no Pete Rose, no Barry yeah. Bonds, none of that stuff. Let the fans vote. All right. And two other notables I want to talk about before we leave. Um, we have Mark Burley. It's going to be his second year on the ballot. He got 11% his first year, which is great. You know, uh, we have Tim Hudson with 5% also on there. Not as great. Uh, Burley threw a lot of innings over a short amount of time, which is good for him. And the other guy is Joe Nathan. Uh, Billy Wagner right now is sitting at 50% as a closer. Joe Nathan has very similar numbers to him. I think that's pretty good for him. Keep an eye out on Joe Nathan. If he gets that 5% the first year, he'll have a shot. That's what we need, you know? If mm -hmm. you don't want to vote for Sosa and Bonds, don't leave your ballot blank. Vote for one of these guys to give him a shot. All right. That, that wraps up the uh, Hall of Fame talk. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess it's now time to talk about a little bit about the lockout. Uh, there hasn't been as much coming out since uh, – since the lockout started on about a week ago. But a couple things that I've seen is that obviously the MLB has uh, taken down all the photos of players on their website. That's been uh, the best part of the lockout. For a player, uh, they can't really find anything. You just find a gray face. Uh, and when you look at the actual uh, like players, Twitters and stuff too, they all changed uh, their profile photos to just a gray photo as well. Uh, kind of mocking the MLB. I think it's pretty funny. Another thing that I like to track is the social media posts because uh, they MLB posted on six days ago uh, when the lockout started a letter to baseball fans or whatever. Since then, they've only posted twice. Uh, usually MLB posts uh, regardless of what time of the season it is or season or not, uh, at least three or four times a day. Yeah. Uh, two posts that they made have so been about – the mini Minoso yeah. and uh, Brock o or Buck O'Neill and, and a couple other Hall of Famers as well. Uh, but they haven't made anything about players, obviously. Uh, teams haven't done anything about players. And it's just, it's a very weird time that we're in. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. A's are posting stuff about community service for <laughs> teachers and stuff like that. So that's, that's pretty weird. Uh, but as far as the A's managerial search goes, I think we're actually getting to a pretty interesting time because this they can actually still, uh, regardless of uh, the lockout or not, they can actually still uh, interview candidates uh, and do what they want to do with that. So I saw a tweet a couple days ago. It says, Oakland A's managerial candidates who have or are expected to interview soon, Mark Kotze, uh, he's the third base coach for the A's right now, obviously was an outfielder for the A's for a long time, Matt Quitar. Quatraro. Tampa Bay. I don't know who he yeah. is. Yeah, bench coach for Tampa. 
I would absolutely love this. Oh yeah. Uh, I would, I know the A's don't pay a lot of money for anything, but I would pay a lot of money for this guy. Uh, Will Venable is another guy. <laughs> uh, that's an interesting one. Cause uh, obviously we all watched him play. Yeah. Uh, wasn't the greatest player, uh, but I guess he's a coach now. He's a big guy. Uh, Joe Espada. I really do not know who that is. Uh, I'll probably do some more research. Is after that one that. of the guys? I know there were three guys who are, they said were from the or- A's organization. One of them I no, didn't recognize. He, he's not from the A's organization. Oh, okay. I know that. Uh, Marcus Jensen. I think he's the bullpen coach for the A's right now. Uh, so I don't mm-hmm. really think he's a good option. And then Darren Bush, uh, another one of the A's coaches, yeah. is an option as well. I would not like that. Go get Quatraro, whatever his name is. We'll learn his name if he um, becomes the A's manager. I'd love that. Uh, Espada is the uh, bench coach for the Astros. Oh. That's an interesting one. Okay. What if we got the, <laughs> the the Astros hitting coach that Ramon Laureano charged last year? <laughs> I mean, a wild change of events. Uh, but go get Quatraro. But hey, now we know it was a uh, roid rage, though. Yeah, I <laughs> mean... I don't think he was on roids back then. I think he was just on roids just to uh, to heal up from his injury that he had a couple months back. Uh, right. But regardless, that's pretty much all we got for lockout talk, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's go and talk about NFL again. We'll look at all the games that happened over this past week. I actually didn't get to watch really any of the games on Sunday except for Sunday night football and the Raider game, obviously. Uh, but I watched Thursday night. Uh, Cowboys beat the Saints 27 to 17. Taysom Hill threw four picks in this game. Uh, Deontay Harris also had uh, 97 yards in this game with a long touchdown. He got suspended. I'm not really sure on why. I just thought that he was suspended on tennis. Uh Oh, that makes more sense. Uh, yeah, Raiders lost 17 to 15. Buccaneers beat the Falcons 30 to 17. Tom Brady threw for a whole bunch of yards in that one. Chris Godwin had a, I believe, career high 15 receptions in that game, as well as 143 yards. Cardinals beat the Bears 33 to 22. Kyler returned, so did DeAndre Hopkins. Kyler threw for two touchdowns, as well as ran for two touchdowns. Really, the first time that we've seen him run uh, this year, so it's good to see him get him back. And they play the Rams on Monday Night Football. That should be a fun one coming up. This next week, Chargers beat the Bengals 41 to 22. Uh, by the time I got off the plane, which I was at like 1030, I took my shit off of airplane mode, checked the scores. It was already 16 nothing in this game. So the Chargers got off to a hot start and then uh, lost a little bit. But I guess they won the fourth quarter 14 or 17 to nothing. So they ended that one out well. Lions get their first win of the season, like Skyler talked about. But Justin Jefferson had a major game in this one, 11 catches, 182 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Giants beat the, or Dolphins beat the Giants 20 to nine. Uh, Tua played well. That was Mike Glennon starting for the Giants in that one. So kind of expected that. Eagles beat the Jets, like Skyler said. The Colts shut out the Texans 31 to zero. Uh, Tyrod got benched in this game, but I also heard that he was hurt. So kind of interesting there. We'll see what happens in the future. I think they said that Davis Mills was going to start though. Mm. Uh, the Rams destroyed the Jags 37 to seven Cooper cup. Another amazing game. Sony Michelle actually had for uh, 24 carries, 121 rushing yards in this one. Uh, the Steelers beat the Ravens 20 to 19. Probably the biggest story in this one uh, was Marlon Humphrey going down. Like we said earlier, uh, Ravens tried to go for two at the end of the game because they didn't have any corners uh, and didn't feel 
comfortable on defense and they didn't get the two point conversion. So they lose that one. Uh, Seahawks beat the Niners, like Brett said earlier. Chiefs beat the Broncos 22 to nine on Sunday night football breakout game for Javante Williams. Like we talked about, but the chiefs defense plays well and uh, stifles Teddy Bridgewater. And then Monday night we had, what do we want to call it? The wind bowl. I mean, this is probably the most significant I've seen the wind play in a game uh, because it was goal line to goal line. So you either had 50 mile winds at your back or you had it at your face. Uh, and so the Patriots just ran the ball the whole game. They threw the ball three times this whole game and they take down their division rivals uh, 14 to 10 and uh, look like perhaps the best team in the AFC. Did you guys see that ref's hat fly off and go like 20 yards backwards? That was No, insane. but I saw the opening kickoff. Go I was going to say hands. the opening kickoff was yeah. probably my favorite part of that whole game. That, that thing was moving. Oh, yeah. But if I'll try to find that clip of the ref and send it, maybe we'll put it on the Twitter because he mm-hmm. went to adjust his hat and it flew 20 yards. It was, it was the craziest thing <laughs> I've wild. seen. That's yeah. pretty good. Uh, what about some injuries and COVID stuff, Skyler? Yeah, uh, we talked about Marlon Humphrey a couple times. That's a torn peck out for the year. Uh, that's really tough for Baltimore. Now they're down both of their corners. Uh, Logan Wilson, linebacker for the Bengals, kind of a breakout star this year, uh, has a shoulder dislocation. Uh, again, they're waiting for an MRI, I guess. I'm surprised they haven't gotten the results yet, but don't know about him yet. Um, as we scroll down, Keenan Allen's on the COVID list. Terrible for my uh, my fantasy team. Uh, terrible for the Chargers. They're trying to make a run here. And Joey Bosa is supposed to practice tomorrow. He had a concussion and left early last game against Cincinnati. Adam Thielen for the Vikings is a long shot to play on Thursday with a high ankle sprain. Again, that is tough for Minnesota and Damian Harris, new England running back. If you were watching last night, you saw he pulled up on his hamstring multiple times in this game. Um, and he's questionable. Don't know about him yet. I know they have a bye this week, so they maybe that's why are good for this week. <laughs> Uh, one that I don't like to see that I talked about Corey Davis has got season ending core muscle surgery. I don't see anything about Tevin Coleman. Maybe he just got a stinger. That's good to see. Um, Emmanuel Mosley, high ankle sprain. I can't remember if he talked about it. You probably did. did. Yeah. He's out a couple weeks. And Logan Thomas, the tight end for the Washington football team. Uh, they feared he tore his ACL, found out he didn't, but he still got some damage to the knee and doubtful for this week. Don't know about after that. All right. You guys ready to talk about some college football? Heck yeah. It was a crazy week this week. We'll start off with Georgia Bama. Probably my favorite game of the week. 41 to 24 Alabama wins. Bryce Young was unstoppable over 400 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Stetson Bennett didn't have a bad game, but he made a couple mistakes, two interceptions, and you can't make any mistakes against Bama. They win it. They get the one seed. Yeah. What I saw in this one is this was the first time uh, Stenson Bennett had to play football this year. I, I think that's, that's one of the tweets that I saw. I, I wish I could credit the person that I saw, but that's actually so true because he really hasn't had to do jack shit for this team. I mean, if, if they honestly just got to the 50 and kicked it every single time and got field position, they, they probably would have won every single game regardless in their schedule this year. Uh, but he had, he had to do stuff against Bama and that did not work out well. Hmm. All right, the next game is going to be Michigan blowing out Iowa 42 to 3. Uh they also clinch a spot in the playoff for the first time 
they win the conference for the first time ever. Surprising to me. This one was all defense for Michigan. Aiden Hutchinson, another great game. He's a Heisman favorite. Get into that a little bit later. Favorite? Finalist. Uh, fa- fine, sorry, did I say favorite? Oh, I was like, favorite? No Finalist. way. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, pick six, multiple sacks. That, uh, that got it done for Michigan. They're cheering all the way down to the playoff. Mm-hmm. And the last game I wanted to talk about, Cincinnati beats Houston. They did it. They did 35 it, to 20. All they had to do was hold on for the rest of the year, which is a lot to ask for in college football because they were the only team to do it. Um, 13 and 0. Uh, Desmond Ritter didn't have to do much this game. Three touchdowns just uh, on the ground for Cincy. And they get the four seed. They're playing yeah. Bama. Kyle's excited. I- I, I watched this game over the Georgia Bama game because uh, I mean I've grown to be a Cincy fan over the, over this past few years. Uh, Jerome Ford played amazing. He had a couple of breakaway touchdowns uh, going into the half. I think it was a it was a one score game, and then Cincy kind of just went off in the third quarter. Uh, defense played well, offense played well, uh, got the job done, and uh, we're going to the playoff, man. Uh, I know Bama is probably going to beat Cincy by fifty. But nonetheless, a non-Power 5 team going to the college football playoff is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Do you want to keep going with the college football playoff rankings, the final ones, or take a break? Yeah, sure. I'll I'll, I'll give those. I'm not going to say anything uh, outside of the top six, except for probably Baylor. Uh, They win their conference and go up to number seven. Uh, Ohio State goes up one spot to number six. Notre Dame goes up one spot to number five. And then the playoff rankings, like Skeller was talking about, Cincy against Alabama is one and number four. Uh, so Bama goes up two spots after beating Georgia to number one. And then Michigan and Georgia will play in the other uh, college football playoff game. That should be a little bit more close uh, than uh, the Alabama-Cincy game. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. I think Georgia probably wins that one still. Yeah. And uh, I guess we'll talk about some of the notable bowl games going on um, mm-hmm. over the next couple of weeks. We'll start off with the Alamo bowl. That's Brett's Oregon ducks. Number 14 against the Sooners. Number 16. Uh, interesting for the wrong reasons. I think Kayvon Thibodeau declares for the draft. Mario Cristobal leaves Oregon. They didn't offer him a contract. So he goes to Miami as alma mater. I'm okay with that. I figure, but you're probably going to need a big guy, not Justin Wilcox from Cal to take down Lincoln <laughs> Riley. Speaking of Lincoln Riley, he is no longer at Oklahoma. We're going to get a little sneak peek of Caleb Williams with a new head coach other than Lincoln Riley. Uh, so I'm kind of excited for this one. Are they, are they going to have their, their new, they head announced coach? their head coach. Um, they, so, they got Clemson's DC, right? Yeah. Venables. Yeah. I, Venables. I doubt he, it. I doubt, yeah. I doubt he's there. Yeah, I bet I mean, be an OC cool. or DC. Cause you can kind of do that. Cause what you have a month to prepare for the game. I guess so. so I mean, if you really wanted to, you could, he's got to learn the names of 60 people though. Yeah, maybe a hundred. Uh, but th- so I actually want to stop there too, because Brent Venables, this is a guy we've talked about maybe becoming a defensive coordinator in the NFL. And he's always been no freaking way, dude. I got a sweet gig with Dabo Sweeney. We're the best team in the nation other than Bama. Um, but we see him kind of fall apart here without Trevor Lawrence. You know uh, what? What? You know, who's at the Raider game? Who's yeah, at the Raider game? Dabo? I mean, he's got like 50 players there from Clemson I mean, and a Raiders jersey. Dabo just wants to reunite with Hunter Renfro. And then he's like, hey, I know a quarterback that's on the market 
that I can go and get that I've been used to. Uh, let's go trade for Deshaun Watson. Next thing you know, yeah. Dabo's the coach. Maybe if he didn't sign a lifetime. Yeah, then you're contract. not getting Devontae Adams. <laughs> Uh, well, you can back out of that contract if you really, really wanted to. Uh, but Deshaun Watson would be cool. Maybe, uh, go ahead and get uh, DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> All right. If he wants to leave. <laughs> All right, Cal. All right. I'm going to run through dreaming out here. <laughs> some of these other games before we got to, you know, redo our zoom here. Cause we got a time limit. The mm-hmm. uh, Chick-fil-A peach bowl. We got number 12 Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett going up against number 10, Michigan state, maybe the most improved team in the nation. That you should see be that fun. fake slide. Fake mm-hmm. slide. Yes. And I'll yes. be talking about that a little later with the top five quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> of course we got Cincinnati and Bama, Georgia and Michigan. Those are the two games for the playoff. Yeah. Uh, I hate to be this guy, but I really think we're going to see a George Alabama rematch here. Yeah. Probably Bama and winning it all. I'm going to go ahead and say, of course, I'm going to give myself some time because we have a month. At this point, I'm going to say Georgia wins the rematch. Uh, they're a better defensive team. They're going to get some time. All right. Some time to watch the film. No do one has have, had to play uh, Bryce Young twice. I really like Michigan. Do they have the time to, uh, I don't know, or as far as Georgia goes, like, get like a somewhat capable quarterback in the next month. Is that possible? They can got they, one on their bench. Can they, try him out. they do have yeah, to try him out. Can they, can they get a transfer in the next month to, to go play in the playoff game? Yeah. All right. All right. So in the Fiesta bowl, we got number five, Notre Dame against number nine, Oklahoma state, Notre Dame with a new coach. Maybe we see some new strategy there. A lot of guys opting out of that game. Speaking of opt outs, Baylor Ole Miss, there's going to be even more in the sugar bowl, seven and eight, not going to see Macarell in that one likely, which would be tough. Uh, the Rose bowl, Ohio state is playing Utah. Utah's hot right now. I know Brett would love to see Ohio state get smacked around. Uh, definitely Alex. I don't, I, don't care. I, don't, I don't You don't care? Yeah, I don't know. I don't care. I, I'd, I'd rather Ohio State win. Screw Utah. They beat us twice. Yeah. I'm okay with that. All right. And that's going to wrap up the notable bowl games. All right. So now we know the Heisman finalists. We don't have to do the Heisman watch anymore. We got Alabama quarterback Bryce Young, Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchinson, Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud, and Pitt quarterback Kenny Pickett. I think we got a clear favorite here. It's going to be Bryce Young. He's going to win the Heisman, and I think it's pretty well deserved. Yeah, I'd say I said too. Uh, how do you feel about Aiden Hutchinson getting the the nod over a guy like Will Anderson? I understand why it happened. I just think, you know, the Heisman trophies for the most outstanding college player. I still think Will Anderson was the most outstanding college player this year. He had numbers better than Indomik and Sue when he was very close to winning for Nebraska. Do you guys I, I ever think, go ahead, Brett? I, I think the uh, Hutchinson's kind of a little bit of recency bias. I think he's been yeah. very good in the past few games, which have been really big games. And I think that's mm-hmm. probably why he got the nod over Will Anderson and guy like uh, Walker, Walker running back. Yeah. Those are the two guys I think are probably the next up, but I understand, you know, play, play good in big games. You're going to get recognition. Yeah. That's yeah. Fair. Do you guys ever have like uh, those topics on your Twitter feed? Uh, so like if you follow like a a whole bunch of players on a sports team, you'll get like, Oh, New York jets. Uh, and it's just like some random person tweeting about the jets, but since they mentioned them, you get on there. So I follow like Devonta Smith and, uh, I used to follow Henry Ruggs and, uh, I still follow Josh Jacobs, 
on Twitter. So I get Alabama Crimson Tide uh, messages on, on my Twitter, and they are not rocking with the fact that uh, Aiden Hutchinson is on there over Will Anderson. I know he won. I, I'm blanking on what the award is called, but the award for the most defensive or the most outstanding defensive player of yeah. the year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that kind of doesn't make sense to me on why Hutchinson would be uh, not as good as Will Anderson as a player, but still higher on the Heisman. I don't know. It's tough, but the good thing about Will Anderson is he is only a sophomore this year. He's coming back. So uh, I guess that's a transition into this year's drafts. I got the top five quarterbacks for the 2022 draft, and I want to talk about them. Kind of excited about this. Not a lot of people are excited about this class, but I'm trying you have to a, find a projected destination for all these guys as well. I don't, Ooh. but I could, I could easily do that. There we go. All right. Uh, I guess we'll start from the bottom. I got an honorable mention. It's Sam Howell from North Carolina. Uh, like he came in, into this year as the number one guy. It seemed like uh, some people thought Rattler. I thought no freaking way. And I was right. But mm-hmm. Sam Howell, uh, is on a significantly worse team and he's tried to make the best of it. You know, the best quarterbacks from the past came from bad teams because they knew how to deal with chaos. Uh, Sam Howell, I see him as a Baker Mayfield type this year. What he did to get past having no offensive line and no running backs is become a little more mobile. And he's averaged about 80 rushing yards a game. I think that's going to be big for him for the NFL. All right, let's get into the big boys here. I got their strengths, weaknesses, and comparisons, the ceiling and floor. So number five, I got Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. He's got a really strong arm, you know, obviously the mobility and throwing on the run. You know, weaknesses, I would say, short and medium accuracy, and he's really got to fix his footwork. That's why he's at uh, number five here. You know, you see a guy ranked number four, playing quarterback, undefeated in the playoff. They're usually higher. Desmond Raiders got some stuff to work on. I have comparisons here. Ceiling is Carson Wentz. The floor is Colin Kaepernick. Okay. You know, the strong arm and the mobility is big for him. Those are the big traits. And I try, obviously, for this next one, I don't have this going, but I tried to have comparisons be with active players. Mm-hmm. We're, we're uh, talking about, like, late in his career, Kaepernick, right? I'm assuming. Um, or prime Kaepernick. Because prime Kaepernick was very good quarterback. Yeah, I, I guess late in his career. And with these comparisons, I tried to focus on um, strengths and weaknesses, similarities, mm-hmm. and also like throwing motion. Because th- this is besides the point, is that I, yeah. I'd take prime Kaepernick over Carson Wentz, which is why I ask. Oh, yeah. If we're getting Chip Kelly, Chip yeah. Kelly Kaepernick, then I'll take Wentz. Yeah, we'll, we'll go later in his career. Then okay. that's kind of what, what my thought period was. <laughs> All right, so number four, kind of a wild card going into this year. I'm going to have Malik Willis from Liberty. The strengths are the design runs, mobility, of course, and the arm strength. I think it was Todd McShay compared uh, Malik Willis to Steve McNair because of the arm strength. Hmm. Um, He's got some weaknesses, though, of course. It's throwing under pressure. Uh, I think he had the worst PFF grade. I don't love PFF, but they help you when you don't want to watch Liberty play New Mexico the whole game. And I didn't want to do that. <laughs> so thank you guys. And throw into the middle of the field. He's got some issues. Um, the ceiling for him, it's going to be Michael Vick with the arm strength. Um, again, it's kind of uh, disappointing and also his own damn fault that we never saw prime Michael Vick. 
because uh, he yeah. was in prison, of course. Uh, but seeing a guy with four three seven speed, there's only two other quarterbacks to do that. Uh, obviously, he did this at his pro day at Auburn. Malik Willis did before he transferred. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's RG three and Michael Vick, the only quarterbacks. And the floor, I have Taysom Hill. I can see his floor being a gadget guy. And uh, in parentheses, I have what Trey Lance is doing right now, pretty much. All right. And no knock, of course. It's, I mean, today, not what his projection is. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? All right. Number three, I have Carson Strong from Nevada. This guy has a very strong arm. Okay. And his ball placement is elite already. Um, some weaknesses, of course, are the mobility. And he's got some major knee injuries. Uh, he wrecked his knee playing high school basketball. And he's had a surgery every single year since. That's not good. But I have a ceiling as Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he, he's already making NFL throws, you know, and uh, the floor, I would say, what Mac Jones is doing today, you know, when he's in the right system, he doesn't have to move around. I think he could put the ball wherever he wants. All right. Any uh, complaints there? <laughs> I, I, really I mean, like this is all you, strong. man. Yeah. All right. Number two, maybe a shocker for some of you. I have Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh. The strengths are going to be improvisation, accuracy, the double glove assassin, <laughs> Can pro accuracy, it? and the pocket presence. Okay, this guy loves throwing on the run, and one issue with him, though, I've noticed from watching film, they even called it out a couple times in an earlier game, and then I went back and watched uh, the ACC championship game, and it was still true. He loves rolling to the right and throwing, but when he rolls to the left, he doesn't throw. doesn't even throw it out of bounds. He tries to run every single time to the left. So he's got to work on fixing that. Uh, weaknesses, it's the footwork. He throws off his back foot a lot. Um, he's already 24 years old. He's going to be 25 as a rookie. Um, my comparison for him, and again, this is tough because uh, you may think I'm knocking him. But I tried to pick guys who are currently playing, who have similar motions. I have Ryan Tannehill as a ceiling. Um, And that's because I feel like it's a modernized scrambler type guy. You know, he's not Patrick Mahomes and he's not Lamar Jackson. Ryan Tannehill, I feel like, is right in the middle. And my floor is going to be a young Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you uh, don't remember, of course, you know, he's played forever. He was a little scrambler back uh, with Buffalo, St. Louis. And Kenny Pickett's really exciting. You know, I think if he fixes himself, his footwork, he'll be just fine. So you have a guy, I'm assuming that you're saying that Kenny Pickett's floor is yeah. a lot higher than a lot of the other guys here. It's yes. also what you said, because yeah. his ceiling is nowhere near some of the guys that you were saying. Exactly. Uh, but his floor, I guess, is a bit higher. I feel like Kenny Pickett is safer than some of these guys. That's exactly what I'm saying. All right. And the number one, I think you guys know where I'm going with this. It's Matt mm-hmm. Corral from Ole Miss. He's got a really quick release. Improvisation. Imp- I can't say that. Improvisation. <laughs> It's great, of course. And he's a power runner. All right. Some of the weaknesses, though, with the power running comes ball security issues. He's fumbled injuries. a lot this year. Of course, injuries, too. And the deep ball accuracy, not quite there yet. He misses a lot deep. Uh, my ceiling for Matt Corral is going to be Dak Prescott. Uh, I feel like these are two guys uh, that, however, they have a lot of physical limitations. They still play with aggression. 
you know, they're both six, one, six, two, they could still play with aggression down the field. Um, my floor is going to be Taylor Henneke. I feel like he plays a very similar game, kind of a weird arm slot and improvisation. They both have it. Uh, think of like a Zach Wilson light, you know, he, he doesn't have a strong of an arm, but kind of what Zach Wilson has been doing this year. Um, all right. That's gonna, that's gonna wrap up the top five. I got one more question for you, Skyler. Yeah. I know we're still a year away, but is the number one pick in 2023 going to be Bryce Young? As of right now, yes. Bryce is Young the number two is, pick going to be Will Anderson? Depends on the scheme, I think. If a team needs a quarterback, they'll take Stroud. They'll take Grayson Ooh. McCall, whatever. I, this guy, he's in the transfer portal right now. I'm assuming he goes to Texas. Will Quinn Ayers technically be eligible in that draft as well, the Bryce Young draft? Mm, no. no. Because he no. is a he is a true freshman right now. Yeah, and you need three years mm-hmm. of eligibility, and he oh, reclassed. Yeah, next year will be two. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he if he stuck in school, he would be graduating high school uh, in 2022. Okay, so he he's eligible in 2024, but in I was a year I, I mean, was a year off. He should probably stay until probably 2025 at this point, unless he, he was crazy. Uh, oh, so, so if he comes out at the right time, he'll be in the CJ Stroud class, correct? No. Next, next class. Year. Or this Stroud year. this year. Okay. I'm, With I'm Caleb Williams class. That's yeah. what he okay. should be. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But I, I do have one last note on, um, on Bryce Young. What makes him so interesting to me is he is a complete pocket passer. Except I mean, he can run though. Really fast. He is really fast. He can scramble. He's very good at at improv. Thank you. Mm -hmm. But he is a true pocket passer. That's what makes him so dangerous. I think he's going to be generationally good. Yeah. He's going to be really, really fun to watch. That wraps it up for me in halftime. Yeah, let's go to the the second half now. (laughs) We have a couple more comparisons uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Then we're going to do our award predictions just like we did last week. And we actually get to hear Brett's this week. as he returns to the show. Uh, first one that we're doing, it's battle between one and two in the pass rushers. It's Miles Garrett or TJ Watt. Me and Scott have been making this debate this whole season. Uh, so what do you guys think? This is an interesting one because they're from the same class. You know, they both had uh, similar injuries. So I think it's a fair comparison. I'm going to go ahead and take TJ Watts. I think he has more numbers to show for his time in the league. Uh, I know I've had Garrett at number one for my depoy for a while. I still think he's great. I just think they're very close. And right now, if I'm talking about their whole career, I'm going to go ahead and take TJ. If I, so this one's a little bit interesting because I like Miles Garrett. He's been able to stay healthy more consistently than Watt, which I'm not really going to put into account here because I am yeah. going to take Watt. I think Watt is the better player. I think he's a little bit, uh, more diverse. I think if you really need him to, he can draw back in coverage. He's shown he can do that. Not necessarily great, but I think both are very good at getting to the pass. Passer Watts force more fumbles. I I think everything they do good, they do very similarly, except Watt just a little a little bit more versatile. So I'm gonna take him. I think uh, everybody that's listened before knows my answer on this one. Yeah. I'm going with T.J. Watt. I think he's the best defensive player in all of football. Next right. one is a, a couple young pass rushers. Uh, one is actually hurt for the rest of the year. That's Chase Young. Uh, and then the greatest rookie Cowboys pass rusher of all time. That's Micah Parsons. <laughs> I think there's a real strong case for Micah Parsons here. He's having an unbelievable year. Um, but the combination of power and speed you get from Chase Young when he's healthy 
could make him one of the greatest pass rushers of all time. So at this point, I'm going to stick with Chase Young. Um, I came up with this one just because it was interesting to me, but uh, I'm mm-hmm. still going to go with Young. I'm actually going to take Micah Parsons. I think Chase Young can easily come back and eventually become the best pass rusher in the NFL once back from injury. He wasn't great when he was healthy this year, still good, but I think when he comes back, he'll, he'll be better than what he showed this year. Micah Parsons, elite edge rusher, and he's been great playing middle linebacker. Yeah. So kind of for the reason I chose Watt, a little bit more versatile in what he can do, can play multiple positions. And really, between Parsons and Diggs, I really carried that Cowboy defense, and he seems to be clutch, clutch when he makes his plays. So, I am going with Michael Parsons in this one as well. Uh, he's already becoming one of the top edges uh, in the whole NFL this year, and he's really just learning the position now. Uh, I mean, he he was asked to do a little bit different stuff in college, and, and even at the beginning of the year, he was asked to do a little bit of different things as well. Uh, but I mean, he's learned the position, and he has been going crazy for the Cowboys. He's probably going to be one of the best defense players in all football in the next few years. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm also picking him over uh, Chase Young because Chase Young's coming off of a torn ACL. I know Chase Young will probably come back and be great, but it's so tough to pick a guy who's who hasn't even fully recovered from that yet, obviously. Uh, and we don't really know uh, what's in store for him. I feel like Michael think, Parsons is like uh, if Anthony Barr never got hurt. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I think Chase Young, um, Nick Bosa came off an ACL tear this year. Uh, I think it could be a very same trajectory. Those are two guys I think we compared last year at mm-hmm. one point where Chase Young and Bosa both high draft picks out of Ohio State. So I, I think Chase Young and Michael Parsons are going to be very successful mm-hmm. over their careers. Next and the last comparison that we're doing is uh, two defensive ball hawks. Yeah. That's Trayvon Diggs uh, with probably the coolest kid in the NFL and Aiden Diggs. I think he's, he's a dope dude. Uh, and then JC Jackson. So Trayvon or JC. Both these guys have amazing ball skills, but only one of these guys is absolutely shut down everybody that's coming his way. That's JC Jackson. Uh, you know, in a couple of years from now, we could see Diggs break uh, the streak J.C. Jackson's on right now. He Ever since he got in the NFL, he's number one in takeaways. I think um, Peters is close, too, from Baltimore. But for that reason, too, I'm taking J.C. Jackson. If you watched last night, you know, he could have had a pick six. He chose to swat it down. You don't question Bill Belichick's decisions with his corners. So who knows? You know, they won the game. Yeah. Even if he was the best corner in the yeah. league. You do something wrong, he's in bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's pretty easy for me. I, I'm going to take J.C. Jackson. Like Sky said, both guys, great ball skills, but J.C. Jackson's better in man coverage. I think it's not that close. Trevon Diggs has shown he's he's willing to give up big plays and yards to make a play on the ball, which he's very good at. And, I mean, you can never laugh at how many turnovers or picks does he have now? Eight or nine? Nine. Nine, which is insane amount, but... J.C. Jackson, he forces the turnovers, and he plays he plays better coverage overall. Yeah, I am going uh, with J.C. Jackson here as well. Uh, the shutdown, like Skyler and Brett said, is probably the biggest thing here. I do think Trayvon Diggs has probably the best ball skills out of any defensive player that we've seen in the last 10 years at this point. And you can honestly see, like, a, a guy – I mean, if he wanted, if the Cowboys were short on wide receivers and they needed a guy to play wide receiver, you, I would put Trayvon Diggs out there. And honestly, I, I, 
bet 100% he'd be down to do that because he was played wide receiver at Alabama for switching the corner. But, I mean, J.C. Jackson's been so good, and then they call him Mr. INT for a reason. That's what I'm going to leave it off with. And now let's get to our awards. Uh, top five MVP and then a winner and a runner-up for every other award. We'll start off with the smaller awards uh, with Coach of the Year. Who is your guys' runner-up? My runner-up is going to be Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, similar reasons to last week. If you weren't here, Brett, uh, you know, he's missed a game due to COVID. He's had his backups in for multiple weeks, and they still have the number one seed in the NFC. That's, uh, that's pretty good. I have uh, Kingsbury as well. Very similar reasons. He's been able to hold it down, even with some of his best players being out top of the NFC. He's, he's been great. And I, I fully expect them to extend him by the end of this year, by the way. Mm. I know he's on his last year of his contract. Yeah, I'm going with Cliff as well. Uh, and that takes us to the winner. Yeah, it's Bill Belichick. I don't need to talk about it. Bill. Bill. I think that's unanimous. Uh, we, he's really shown this year that he, I mean, him and Brady were both as, as good as we thought they were rather than just it, it being one of them. Uh, now on to comeback play of the year. I really don't think our numbers should change on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally runner up, I have Bosa, uh, and then how about you Skyler? And- All right. My runner up is going to be Joe Burrow. He's having a great year, completely wrecked his knee last year. Uh, I have Bosa above Burrow. I think I would put Burrow at three. I think Bosa, for his position, has done a little bit better, but that's no knock on Burrow at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, at number one, I think is kind of unanimous. I have Dak. Yep. Dak. Dak. Awesome. All right. Uh, now let's do the rookie of the years. We'll start off with defensive rookie of the year. My runner up is Javon Holland, the same guy that I had last week. All right. My runner up is going to be Patrick Sertan. Uh, speaking of ball skills, this guy is right behind them. I think in a couple years from now, he could put up some crazy numbers too. I have Sertan as well. I think he has like three picks over the last two weeks or something like that. Really like Holland, obviously local kid, but Sertan edges him out just a little bit. Uh, and then this one I think should be unanimous as well. Uh, the winner is going to be Michael Parsons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Brett had it as well. Uh, no visual from people that are listening, but he did not his head. Yes. Oh, sorry. Uh, yes. <laughs> on to offensive rookie of the year. My runner up is actually not going to be Jamar chase. I'm going to go with Jalen Waddle. Okay. I'm going to go with Najee Harris. I understand why people have the receivers higher. I just think, uh, Najee with the usage rate, you don't see that from running backs, you know, other than Taylor and Henry. And, uh, it's great to see another local guy doing great. Uh, my audio keeps cutting in and out, but I'm going to go with Jamar Chase. Picking up on Najee. Elijah Mitchell is kind of behind them, but I think Jamar Chase has still done enough early in the year to secure that number two spot. Yeah. Uh, my winner uh, is going to be Mac Jones. Yes. <laughs> Mac Jones. Yes. Mac Jones, number one. Yes, uh, unanimous Mac Jones there. And now that takes us to Depoy and Opoy. We'll start off with Depoy, uh, and runner-up for me is going to be J.C. Jackson. Yeah, I have Miles Garrett and J.C. Jackson. I have, I still have Diggs above Jackson just because of the interceptions, but I have Miles Garrett at number two. My winner is going to be T.J. Watt. Uh, 
I didn't think it was going to be possible with him missing a couple games, yeah. but he comes back from his injury and immediately has three and a half sacks and forces a fumble in a big divisional game. So I'm going with TJ. Yeah, he's at what, 16 and a half right now? Uh, yeah, 16 or 16 and a half, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm going with Watt too. Um, didn't think it was possible, like you said, and I'm not, you know, the biggest Garrett supporter, so I'm okay with dropping him, even though we were arguing about it earlier mm-hmm. in the year. I'm fine with yeah. it. It's all about growth. Yeah. It's all about growth. <laughs> Brett. What? Oh, sorry. My audio keeps, uh, number yeah. one. Are we on D point number one? Yeah. yeah. TJ Watt. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. Uh, I feel like there's a choice of two guys here. Yeah. Uh, maybe Brett throws in another guy. Uh, but my runner up is actually giving me Cooper cup. I flipped them from last week. I am staying the same. Uh, Cooper cup is my honorable mention. Uh, Debo, my honorable mention cup number two. Yeah. Uh, my winner, Jonathan Taylor. I feel like that's unanimous. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor, man. He's unstoppable. Exactly. Another 140 rushing yards and two touchdowns against the Texans and their shutout victory uh, for the Colts, the surging Colts, that is. Uh, and now let's get to our MVPs. Do you guys have any honorable mentions before we start? I didn't put one in. Uh, my honorable mention would be Mahomes and Kyler. Those are good ones. My honorable mentions. Uh, I know I didn't say wide receivers should really be on here because it's a little weird. Uh, but I went with Jay Jettas and Cooper Cup slash Stafford. We're, we're, we're grouping them in once again. Yeah. And now it takes us to number five. And my number five is a, dro- a guy that dropped down from one spot last week. And that's JC Jackson. All right. My number five, I don't care about the receivers. I'm sticking with Cooper Cup. I feel like this is the only thing holding the Rams together right now. And he's not on pace for any of the records anymore, but still a darn good season. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I ungrouped him. I have Cooper Cup at number five individually. Number four for me is going to be TJ Watt. I mean, best defensive player in football, in my opinion. Uh, And he goes up from unranked uh, to that number four spot this week. Uh, Number four, I'm keeping Patrick Mahomes in the top five. Not a great week last week, but he didn't have to do much. Uh, I'm starting to realize why Kansas City was struggling when you throw the ball to Byron Pringle as many times as he does. He's going to drop it a couple times. Uh, I feel like Mahomes should end the year at the top of the conversation like uh, we expected before it started. Uh, number four, like Kyle, I have TJ Watt. Missed a few games, still leads to NFL in sacks, and probably close to forced fumbles behind Josh Norman, oddly enough. But dude's unstoppable. Number three for me is going to be Aaron Rodgers. It's the exact same as last week. Mm -hmm. Uh, They did not play. They had a bye. Mm -hmm. My number three is going to be Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I'm keeping my top three the same. Uh, 1,300 yards for Taylor is great, but I I value these other two guys a little bit more for now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once again, I have Rodgers at three. Number two for me is going to be Tom Brady. Uh, Like we've said this whole year, I mean – 44-year-old shouldn't have 34 touchdowns through 12 games. They should be sitting on the couch and playing uh, or coaching their son's football teams. Uh, but regardless, Tom Brady is on his way to most likely winning an eighth Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, I'm going to have Aaron Rodgers as my number two. Didn't play this week, but he's doing great. Once again, looks like he's not even trying out there. 
Number two, I have Jonathan Taylor just doing it all for the Colts on the ground. Behind a good offensive line and Quentin Nelson, there's not a lot to say about him. That's true. Uh, number one in my MVP is Jonathan Taylor still. My top three remains unchanged from last week. All right. My number one, sticking with Tom Brady. Leonard Fournette can catch now. That's making his life so much easier. And again, 44 years old. He looks like he's in his prime still. Yeah, Skyler and Kyle have said enough about him already, but number one, I have they just wonder Tom Brady. Yeah. yeah. So that gets our award predictions done, and we're actually now pretty close to finishing the episode. We're going to say our bets and get on out of here. Uh, our layups last week were unsuccessful. It was just me and Skyler. I had Minnesota minus seven versus Detroit. Obviously, uh, Detroit won that game like we talked about, so that did not happen. Skyler had Oklahoma State minus five and a half versus Baylor. Uh, Baylor went out right, so we were down bad in that category, and that takes us to this week where I have Tampa Bay a minus two and a half versus Buffalo. They've been struggling recent recently, and Tampa Bay is, is starting to roll again. All right, I'm going to go with New Orleans minus five and a half at the New York Jets. Jets defense is horrible. We are not very good against mobile quarterbacks. That is going to be a perfect rebound game for Taysom Hill. You need mobile tight ends. Yes. Yeah. Wrap and throw the football. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go to hockey. I'm going to take the Toronto Maple Leafs. I believe this game is tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, it's basically a pick them in hockey, 0.5 favorite uh, versus the Columbus Blue Jackets, Toronto, and mustacheless Austin Matthews. We'll get the dub in that one. Wow. There we go. Big. Uh, now on to bold predictions. Me and Skylar had the same bold prediction because I, I honestly didn't like any other pick besides the one that Skylar chose. And we got it right. Uh, New England over Buffalo. So we're on to something there. Uh, So shout out to me and Skyler on that one. And now let's get to this week where I have the Washington football team actually taking down Dallas on a four, four game win streak right now. Dallas has been scuffling a little bit. Uh, So four point dogs in this one. And I have the Washington football team taking it. All right. I have the Ravens beating the Browns. That one's two and a half for the Browns as a favorite. Baltimore's really beat up, but. I don't think Cleveland's going anywhere with Baker beat up as much as he is already. I believe the spread in this game was two and a half, if I remember correctly, uh, at Carolina. But I have the Falcons beating Carolina outright. Falcons been one of the weirdest teams in the NFL this whole year. Their record isn't horrible, but statistically they're a horrible team. I think this is one where Cam Newton once again struggles and Atlanta finds a way to win it. Win it. Sorry. It's that's it's a weird, weird, weird year for Atlanta because I mean, this is worst case scenario. They're a terrible team, but they don't have that bad of a record. So there's not mm-hmm. going to get the greatest pick. Uh, so we'll see how those go. Hopefully we get yeah. our bets right because uh, we've been kind of struggling in our layups recently. Uh, but nonetheless, that's going to do it for episode 65. Again, our socials, uh, Twitter and Instagram are both at Max Sports. So go make sure you go and give those a follow. Sorry about not tweeting a lot in this past week, uh, but I was busy. Yeah. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, look out for Thursday. Look out for Sunday. Look out for Monday tweets. They're going to be popping off. uh, And throughout the week as well, hopefully I get some more stuff stuff up. Hopefully we start getting to our YouTube and TikTok more. Uh, Those are just at Immaculate Sports. So go ahead and give those a follow. I do have some TikTok ideas, Cal. Awesome. Maybe we'll get those up. Uh, Skyler on camera. Yes, sir. exactly. But it's been a fun one. It's been a long one. Uh, you guys got any parting messages? 
Go Jets. We'll be back. And we'll be more right. immaculate than ever. That's true. If you have any Cincinnati Bengals receiver, I suggest starting them against Niners because we won't be covering anyone. That's solid. That's uh, also, CFP injury, John Mechie, torn ACL. Yes. That's a tough yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we, we didn't have that on there, uh, but I just, that just popped up in my mind now. And I just uh, remembered it was the Mitchell report that they got caught on. <laughs> Mitchell report. Uh, there we go. Okay. Uh, my parting <laughs> message is Jameson Williams to LV. Start the hashtag. Uh, okay. I <laughs> <laughs> wants everyone. He wants. He wants all of Clemson. He wants Williams. He's he's bringing everyone to Vegas. Exactly, man. I just want to win. Speed. I just want to win, man. Speak him. All right. I got no other messages. Oh, I know one. It's the parting one. Go Jets. There we go. <laughs>